Hello, everybody. This is the Stronghold Podcast, episode 23, I think. I'm here with Quan. Quan <laughs> is a jiu-jitsu brown belt, one of the OGs, everybody in Singapore who trains jiu-jitsu knows Quan. He's a judge and a referee and all that kind of stuff. And most people probably don't know this. We go way back training partners. Yes. <laughs> I think I started training with you like eight years ago or something. Uh, 2012, I think, when I was still white. Yeah. And I remember you being a purple belt. Oh, there's so many things I learned from you back then, man. <laughs> oh, I didn't know anything back then, man. Like, I, I, like modern day purple belts would kick my ass back then. I was just a wrestler, smashy, grindy type player. But I appreciate it. myself. Because back then, as a white belt, as white belt, I have no game. Even until, I think, early days as a blue belt, then I realized what is my game plan actually going to be. So, actually, I feel that the, the more modern guys who just started lately they are actually quite how's it they are uh they have a better advantage than us they actually have a lot of competitors nowadays like us to guide them and tell them oh you need to start formulating your your how's it your game before you go for competition because back then when initially when i trained i don't think competition was on my mind actually zero game (laughs) and you know what like the scene was so different back in 2012 than it is right now I mean, there yeah. are like, there are many, many hundreds, probably thousands of jujitsu players in Singapore now. Back in 2012, when I was at Evolve with you, when you were a white belt and I was a purple belt, yeah. I think there were like two or three people that weren't blue belts or weren't, weren't white belts. Like I remember there was me and then I think Mr. <laughs> Colin had just gotten his blue belt. You remember Hideo, the, yeah, yeah. the Brazilian guy and Nobu. And that was back yeah. when Pomo had like just opened up. They were the only ones who weren't white belts. Nobu was, I think he was like the brown belt. I was like, whoa, brown belt. Yeah, he was the only, br- <laughs> he was the only brown belt at the time. Me and Hideo were the only purple belts. And then there were like a couple blues and then a bunch of white belts. So there was like, yeah. like now, now, like if you go to any gym, you're going to see tons of color belts. So like the collective yes, level yes. rises so much faster than back in 2012 when like nobody in Singapore is still at that point. Evolve had just opened up. Like nobody knew what jujitsu was here yet. Yes. I remember back then also as a beginner, whenever I go to class, I thought, oh, a blue belt is joining us. It's a blue belt. It's like a fucking wizard or a warlock just walked into the room, right? <laughs> when you see yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. a blue belt walk in. No, yeah, when I, I was mean, finding a blue belt, I'm like, man, I'm just normal. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I started jujitsu, it was in 2000, no, uh, 2005. And my instructor was a, was a blue belt because there was nothing else. Like this is 2005. I mean, the UFC was still on those like kind of weird dark days. Like Matt Hughes was the Mm. champion, like going way back. So there were no even purple belts in my entire state. And I remember just seeing blue belts wreck everybody. And I was like, so the concept of a purple belt to me was like, that's a, that's a wizard, let alone a black belt. Legendary. that, (laughs) That level, like the idea of a black belt was so far above my, even concept of what was possible that it was just like something that you know you have to be a master to even imagine a black belt back in those days yeah now the black belt's in every corner <laughs> you know for singapore as in local black belts right i think back then there was none zero i think Who was uh, the first black belt in singapore was it, was it jason? jason yeah i think it was, was jason. It jason i think it was near christmas right he got it and then Shane, Shane Suzuki got his not too long after that. After that is Con and Vince, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, that sounds about right. But now there's a few. Mark, the yeah, old, yeah. old training partner from Evolve, got his. Um, who else from Evolve got their black belts? From the old crew that we used to train with. Toby? Toby, Toby got, got, black got, belt. Her blue belt. Yeah. got her black belt. That's nice. What about um, 
trying to think of who else was. Is Maylin a black belt now? I don't know. She should be, but I don't know how much she trains. She should days. be. <laughs> yeah. Who else? All I of those people remember. around. But I know over at New Fit, there's a few students who gotten their black belt recently. Oh, yeah. Um, John. John just got his black belt. Oh, John. Yes, John. Yeah. yeah. He, was, he was a brown belt at the same time I was. <clears throat> Last year, he was still brown belt when he helped out at the national team training. Mm. Yeah. That's good. Need well, the sparring partners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's good. He's good. Really heavy. He gave top me a pressure. very tough time. Yeah, yeah. Yes. He's good. He's good for sure. Really, really good top game. <laughs> and uh, I think Roger. Remember Roger? I think he also maybe Roger got his black belt. He used to train at Trifecta. Now I, I don't know if he's at New. Oh, now. Roger. Uh, he said no, no, no. He said Malaysia, right? Is he in Malaysia now? Yeah, he has been in Malaysia for a while. Roger oh, Chen or Chan. Yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah, he was there, but I don't think he got done his black belt but Cal get got gotten his black belt thank god finally yeah. man Cal was Cal I think Cal got his brown belt the same day as me so we were both long time long time brown yeah, yeah. belts but you know what it's, you're that you're that time now because you started in 2012 and generally it's that 10 year you know the 10 year rule the 10,000 hour thing <clears> that's <throat> I think that's pretty accurate for the the jiu-jitsu black belt so if you started in 2012 and what you're a three stripe brown now not yet. I guess it's supposed to be in April or May. I don't know. <laughs> everybody's like, happened. everybody's okay. cursing COVID. Like, damn it, my ranks got promoted, pushed back three months. Yeah, but it's okay for me. I think there's quite a bit to explore in brown belt still. It was like what Major always tell me. Yeah, brown belt is actually no difference from black belt. It's like the elementary stage where you get to try out a black belt technique at a slightly easier level. I think that's where I got most of my growth. Was it was it brown? I was a long time brown belt, but it, it made sense because that was where I got most of my growth. That was where I learned how to like. I learned that it was. I t I was okay putting myself in bad positions. It was okay to lose. Like I can let people. If I can't let someone take my back and escape a back mount, what are we doing? Because like you know, mm. once you get to that point, like your upper brown belt, most of the students that you train with are not going to take your back unless you let them, right? Unless you're yeah, yeah. with a coach or something like that, right? So, but if you can't let a blue belt or a purple belt on your back and escape from that, then your back defense is shit. Like, so it's yeah. like when you get to that point, like you, it's okay to lose because even like putting, having somebody put you in an arm bar, like you have to have deep arm bar escapes in your pocket. Same thing yeah. as like back escapes. And once you get to that brown belt level, unless you've got a bunch of upper belts rolling in your classes or something, most of the people aren't going to be able to put you in those bad positions. So you have to let it happen. Mm -hmm. So I didn't feel like I always had to win. Like those old Evolve days when I was a purple belt, I just always was trying to win everything. I didn't want to give an inch to anybody. And like I've now realized at Brown, like, <laughs> you got to have escapes. You can play funkier stuff. You can do weird shit. Like if you mm. make a mistake, I'm, I'm less concerned about it now than I used to be. Because that competitiveness can, can be a fault in your training if you don't let people work and if you don't put try, yourself in yeah. bad situations. You know, I'm, I'm not going to roll with a black belt and let them do anything to me. I'm going to try my hardest, right? <laughs> But if you're yeah. rolling with the purple belt or you're rolling with the blue belts and stuff like or the lower belts, yes. Especially if they have a good move. Like even by the time you're a blue belt or purple, everybody's got that move, right? You you have your baseball choke, like some yeah. people got that straight ankle lock, or somebody's got a really sick arm. Like they'll sometimes like a blue belt can have like a brown belt level move, like one move that they do really, mm -hmm. really well. And most of the time people try to avoid that, but sometimes it's good to stick your neck in there and see see if you can get out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's the same for everyone. Like you said, you're trying to win as a purple belt during rows. I think reflecting back, I was like that at my blue belts and maybe early purple belts days. 
still trying hard to win, <laughs> even though it's just training. I think yeah. it's just human nature. Yeah. Well, you should always try to win. Like I'm not saying lose <laughs> for the same person that I let take my back. You know, if I escape, then I'm going to still tap him out later. Like I'm not going to just mm. lay there and be a dead fish. Right. But I'll put myself yeah, yeah, in yeah, a bad position. Then I'll escape the bad position because that's also, a teach, right. especially as a coach, right? That's a teaching moment for them. And then, you know, I'm still going to tap them out a few times. I try to teach my wife, right? Because she's a three stripe purple now. Purple. Wow. She's three. Already. <laughs> two, maybe two, maybe two stripe. I can't remember. No, I think two stripes actually. Um, and I try to tell her like when you coach people, like she, she's always afraid of like bullying new people and she doesn't want to tap mm -hmm. them out sometimes. And I'm like, you got to, you should tap out everybody a couple times in a, in a row, two, three, four times, whatever your number is. But if you do that, you still have to let them work. You can't just smash them all the time. Like you can't yeah. tap them out, tap them out here, tap them out there, <clears throat> tap them. You let them work. You let them pass your guard. You let them get you in a bad spot. You escape that bad spot. Then you tap them out. You know, there's like a system to it. So that way they're yeah. learning the most that they can learn in that role. Yeah. But speaking of Shamir, wow, she has really good pressure. I remember last year when I came over to train with you guys as well. Whenever I paired up with her, even though she's so small, so way smaller than me in size, but Wow, she always gave me such a quite a hot tough row. She's very fast. Keep up with her. <laughs> yeah. I have to keep up with her pace. Like she's consistently trying to pass guard. Then if she managed to pass, well, her pressure of holding you in the side control is, is is actually there. She'll actually hold a position before making her next move. Well before she, she go uh, for the submission. She's always the smallest person at the gym, always. <laughs> so she's always at a disadvantage. Right. So she yeah. makes up for it with hustle and just being tenacious and you know, that kind of thing. Cause imagine like always being the smallest person in the gym, like technique is the only way. And then just like hustle. Yeah. There's a few stronghold. I actually like the profile of stronghold because the guys are either same weight as me or heavier. <laughs> yeah. We got a lot of big people, which is weird. Cause usually yeah, yeah, yeah. in Singapore, most of the gyms are quite small, but for whatever reason, I guess cause we're in like that expat <clears throat> area. So it tends to be mm -hmm. a lot of like, we got the big white dudes and <laughs> you know what I mean? Over at Highland Road, I'm one of the bigger ones. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but there are a couple of them who are heavier than me, though. But How do you like teaching, just, man? How do you like teaching the classes? Oh, you mean jujitsu? Yeah, I mean, yeah, are, it's, it's fun. I know yeah, that you're I enjoy, a coach now. Yeah, I, I teach there on and off, like the fundamental class most of the time. So it's actually quite fun because you know where we, we started our jujitsu from, right? So actually, I do see the value of having a class where we actually drill the fundamentals in is still a communal class where all levels just jump in. I, I still feel that because like where I pre where we previously trained, we are so focused on fundamentals and the specific training instead of the full sparring. That that way they the the new people like the those fresh white belts who just started, they actually have a chance to execute or implement whatever they learn on that day into the specific training. Not Otherwise, like for some white belts, I know my cousins, I, a few of them did not train where I was when we first started, when they first started. So his role was like uh, consistently being trash in a full role where he has not enough knowledge on how to execute, like how, what is an escape, what exactly is a pass guard and so on. So I do feel as a coach for me, to teach fundamentals is very important and I, I do see that it's a rewarding aspect because some of my, the, the, students that are there they actually find that oh yes whatever we learn today actually work further or maybe it might not work on that day but maybe a few weeks later they come back and tell me yeah i tried this this technique in the all level class and it actually works so that's very heartened to hear
Yeah, the fundamentals are super important. And that specific training yes. is really important too, because if you take a, a new white belt in there and you just let them free flow, free flow roll, they have no idea what they're doing, right? It's like they can't, yeah, yeah, yeah. They can't really work. So you got two options with that, right? You can either do it like the Evolve did where like they did so much specific training, like that blue belt mm. class where they didn't even let yeah. you roll until you were like a three stripe white belt or something yeah. like that. Correct. That's one way to do it. But the way that I do it is like, I always put the new people because <laughs> We have one big gym and we only have mm. one or two jujitsu classes. All level classes. All right, levels. Yeah. Just because of this, the space, right? So yes, if yes. we put a fundamental class in there, then it wouldn't, where we only did specific training, most of my students that are more advanced that come every day wouldn't get the role. Mm. So what I do is I always put the new people with my experienced people and then my experienced people, like my upper belts, will put themselves into the move that they just learn. So like if they learn Toriando, mm. then they got to let them Toriando a bunch of times, right? If they learn yeah, escape, yeah, then they got to let them escape. It's not like they're rolling like a free flow roll with the new students. They're mm. putting themselves in positions that this new students can hit those moves that they just practiced. Yes. So it's, it's kind of like specific training, but it still has that free flow element to it. But they know like, don't do a flying triangle on a white belt, right? Like, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like let them hit the move that they just learned, whether it's escapes, which usually for mm. me, it's, it's, it's always escapes. I, I just do escapes mm. nonstop. My students hate it. They get so sick of it, but it's so important. <laughs> you, I feel jujitsu is very acquired. It's like, you have to be comfortable in being very, very close contact. So some people, they are okay with it. Some new people, when they first try it, they're like, totally turned off like no i'm not gonna do jujitsu it's not my type surprisingly i stayed on because i was like that i was like oh why what i remember when i first walked into evolve actually my trial was actually for uh snc class which back then i think they call it fight shape they, mm. they reword it so the, the guy looked at me i think it was brian cho because i was fat back then if you i don't I know remember. if you met me when i was fat <laughs> i read you're like 94 92 yeah. so he was looking at me sizing me out like you sure you want to do this <laughs> So I was like, okay, I'll go for Muay Thai then. So my trial was Muay Thai, but then right beside the Muay Thai trial was Jiu Jitsu. So I was like, what are they doing? Hugging each other and rolling over. <laughs> I couldn't imagine myself doing that. Yeah, but I know. Being a, tip yeah, like being that, a right? typical Singaporean, being a typical Singaporean, I was like, I paid for the full membership. I have to do everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you paid <laughs> the money. That, exactly. That's how I ended up in Jiu Jitsu. And look, eight years down the road, I'm actually more... How say specialized in jujitsu than Muay Thai, and the yeah. start I was like, oh yes, let's go Muay Thai, five five lesson a day and one jujitsu a day. That's it. Well, you know, I think like, and uh, I always tell people that you know, I have a few students of mine that talk to me about wanting to be coaches someday and all that kind of stuff. And you're already a coach. And for me, like, I have two pieces of, pieces of advice for that. Number one is like, anytime a new person comes in the gym, you should always roll with them the first day. Because you know how jujitsu is, man. Like the people's yeah. connection, students' connection to the instructor is really, really close. And like mm. people will die for their instructors, man. They'll move gym. They'll drive an hour to be with a person that they know, that they trust, that they like. Like the relationship mm. between students and professors and all that kind of stuff goes really, really deep. Yeah. And you need to make that connection early. And then the second thing is like make it fun. It's supposed to be fun. Like yeah. if you're like tapping out your white belts or you're letting your students tap them out hard in the beginning, you're you're missing the whole point. It's like supposed to be fun. You know, you should yeah, be playing, yeah. you should be smiling, you should be laughing around, you should be talking a little shit, like whatever, you know, whatever. You know, I always like equate it to, you know the ties, like when the ties hold pads for you? Yeah. Ties are always like, oi, 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 they push you, they go, hey, hey, oi. You know, it's like very high energy and fun and they're, they're having a good time yeah. and even if you're, you're tired, it's still fun. 
And jujitsu yeah. should be like that. Like, you know, I'm all down for people that were competitors that want to train hard and all that kind of stuff. But if you want to have competition training, that's one thing. But if you're trying to like run a business or expand your student base or become mm -hmm. an instructor that has students that come every day, you need that quick connection. And then those people have to have fun when they're training with you. And especially like you're talking about that close quarter stuff. If people feel weird about that, then you got to yeah. kind of ease them into it. Right. Keep a little bit of yeah. distance. Don't fucking squeeze them really, really hard and make them <laughs> don't drip sweat into their mouth and eyeballs and yeah. save that for later. You know, let them get a little yeah. accustomed to it first. And then Especially you can, for ladies also, because like sometimes I have trials and they always dump the trial in fundamental class. So I have ladies and most of the time they have no gi. So I'm like, okay, you can try no gi. So I'll try to rally some of the advanced students like the blue belt girls. I say, can you join the class? Can you partner them? Because I know girls being girls, they, they might not feel comfortable partnering any guy at the start. They have to really ease into it and also give them a sense of security also. Yeah. Like I think one of the podcasts you, the earlier podcast I heard about, about giving, uh, how to know if a gym is, how to say, it's not dodgy, right? That is the way how they, Culty yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've forgotten what word was it, but you were saying that how you have Shermaine in your team and that actually helps a lot, which I, I agree as well. We must have our female students, the, the higher the higher rank members to come in to help us all. In the event like newer ladies come in. Well, it's, it serves two purposes. The first thing is yeah. that like, if they feel even slightly sketchy, I, I mean, mm -hmm. any girl walks in, they, they always train with Charmaine first. Because first of all, yes. she'll take care of them. She's one of the owners of the gym, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But then the second thing is like, when you watch them, like if a girl comes in, and they see a 50 kilo girl tapping out men, it, it serves two purposes, right? One, they're like, holy shit, look at that girl. She's like killing some of these guys, like these big, strong guys. <laughs> so that's boom, eye-opening, right? That's the first thing. Yes, and yes. then the second thing is like the level of comfortability that they'll have knowing that like, you know, you don't have to, if you don't want me to touch you, I get that, roll with her. And then you build that slowly mm. over time because everybody's yes. base comfort level is different, <clears throat> especially in Singapore. They, they do tend to be a bit more, compared to like Americans at least, who are very physical just by their general nature. They hug a lot, they slap each other mm -hmm. on the back. They're, they just tend to be much more physical even with greeting and hanging out. And Singaporeans are always kind of like, you know, <laughs> don't touch me, one meter, you know what I mean? <laughs> Safety distance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Especially now, like nowadays, I don't yeah. know, man. It's gonna be weird when on we go back to work. Yeah, on the flip side, I do have guys who can't touch girls because of religious purposes. So yeah. actually they tell me beforehand, so I know, then I also let Major know, so Major is aware. So whenever we are aware, we try to assign them. No, actually we not try, we will always assign them not to pair with a lady. Yeah, I got a couple and of those too. Everyone, actually everyone understands, so it's good. Yeah, but that is one of those weird things because you know the, the ladies deserve to train, but here it doesn't matter. But if you were in some countries, mm. you know, if you're in like a Middle Eastern country and, you want to, and the ladies <clears> want to train, that would be a, a tough go, I think. Yeah, I think for those countries, if I'm not wrong, because Marcos is uh, one of the Evolve instructors back then, right? He's now at UAE, so they have an all-girls class and an all-guys class. Yeah, that's the most. And I think I was at Abu Dhabi last year for ADCC, not ADCC, sorry, World Pro, Abu Dhabi World Pro. So actually, I was finding places to do my weight cut. So Fitness First, interesting, I went to research on Fitness First. They have an all-ladies gym for Fitness First and an all-guys gym, and they're hardly mixed. I think it's because of the culture there. They're, they are mixed or they're not mixed? No, there are no, I think there are no mixed gyms there. It's either all ladies or all guys. So yeah, there are certain branches that only serve ladies and certain branches that serve only the males. 
Unless you're on like one of those, um, one of those expat compounds. Like I, I had a old friend of mine that used to work in, in Saudi and in, uh, in Saudi Arabia, but, and he, I don't remember exactly what his job there was, but you know, some business or whatever, but they lived on one of those huge compounds. And so the schools are mixed gender, the gyms are mixed gender, you know, like you can wear a bikini outside and there's a grocery store and it's like a whole little city basically of, of foreign people. But then of course, once you go into the main areas and everything, then, you know, they have to be dressed up. And, and the rules of life. Yeah. 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 It's like that. <clears throat> But there's not much of that in Singapore. I've only, I only have like two students that have come in that were not cool with that. But I had, speaking <laughs> of that, I had a girl come in for a trial. It was like only a couple weeks before we left, right? And uh, she was like watching the rolls and everything. She just kind of wanted to check it out in the back and watch. And then all of a sudden, one of my, my purple belt girls, you know, Deborah, right? Yeah, yeah, Deborah. Deborah's a beast. Dude, Deborah's good. Deborah's damn good. She's a, she's actually a three stripe purple. But she's yeah, bro. With her back in two zero one seven, when she visit highlight reel very often. Yeah, she's very good. She's a beast, dude. She's one of the best girls in Singapore for sure. She's knocking on the door to brown belt definitely. And now she's around like she never did uh, nogi before until she just signed back up with us at, at Stronghold. I used to be her coach back in the day at Trifecta, but she yeah. would do some of the stuff with the Brazilians and she would do my class, but always gi. And then she, um, she told me, she's like, uh, training's just getting kind of boring. I feel like it's getting stale or whatever. I'm like, Deborah, do Muay Thai or do MMA, do Nogi. Like, find something different that you can mix it up mm-hmm. with so it's fresh. She's like, okay, I'll try. She came into a Nogi class and like, now all she does is Nogi. And now she's learning <laughs> heel hooks and she's learning like all that kind of stuff. And uh, she did a class right before and there was a girl that was tri- uh, a trial that was in there. And she choked out unconscious one of these big dudes in my cut, like choked him unconscious and was like, uh, and then I just see him like twitching on the ground. I was like, oh shit, I had to run over and like lift his legs, everything. And then I just remember looking at that girl and she was a little shocked, a little amazed. And she was just like, oh, this is. I want to be like Deborah. (laughs) Exactly. Dude, Deborah, she's a great role model for all the women out there, man. She's really good. She's a beast. I did see her in competition lately though. I think the last one she did was a Malaysian one. 2018, yes, 2018. I was there for that one. She competed against okay. Audrey, and I think she uh, lost by one or two points. She almost had her <clears> armbar, though, in the closed guard armbar. Were you there for the brown belt? Brown belt comp, they had some price money for the brown belt then. The Copa, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, was there I was... for the purple belt. I fought Danilo for the second time because it's, it's very funny. We fought each other, I think, two weeks before that at Manila. No key. It was absolute finals then in he that for that competition is a funny weight class under 76 and above 76. Then Kong was doing under 76, but he's way lighter than 76. So I, okay, let me go above 76. So I had to fight Danilo again. But it was fun. Who's that? I remember that Kong. Who's that guy? It, Danilo. He's a Brazilian, but he was in GF team KL for a while. Mm. I think a year or so. Purple belt. Yeah, I was only I was in Malaysia for like a year. So that year I was going excuse me, I was going to all those tournaments and everything, but I, I miss Malaysia, man. Malaysia's so good. The jiu-jitsu oh, scene there's the one that you're still in KL, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was still teaching at Clinch. How's Clinch now, by the way? Actually, I don't know what's the status there. They closed down, man. Bummed me out oh. so bad. They closed down. When I left, they they just decided not to keep going. I mean, oh, I didn't even it? leave because I wanted to. They didn't get my visa. So I was there working without a visa for like a year and then <laughs> I tried to come back. I came across to Singapore to go on a visa run and then got caught at the border and they were like, yeah, no, you're not coming back in here. Dude, <laughs> it sucks so bad. You know what they did? They, I took the bus over. They locked me in a room, right? And then uh, so 
they, you know, you go through the immigration, you get off the bus. Yeah, I tried yeah. to go there. They send me to the back room and then I'm just sitting there and then I'm like, oh shit. They come in, they ask me some questions, ask me my name, ask me all that kind of stuff. They're like, oh, are you working in Malaysia? I'm like, no, 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 I'm definitely not working in Malaysia. They uh, send me in the back room, ask me all the questions. They leave and they leave for like 30, 35 minutes. And at that point I already knew I was screwed. Cause like the bus is not going to wait. How long is the bus going to wait for anyway? Yeah. For one person. So I'm like, shit. Then they come back in and they have like my Facebook profile and my Instagram profile and all that kind of stuff what? where it's like head coach at clinch MMA. And they're like, Oh, I thought you said you weren't working here. And I was like, Oh my God, shit. They actually dig your Facebook. Yeah. I, I didn't expect that from Malaysia. <laughs> I know they went there and they asked me all the questions. They, you know, of course I said I wasn't working there cause I was working there, but that was my job, you know? And then, uh, after I'd answered all the questions, they went and they just Googled me and they found all the pictures of like, it says on my Facebook, like Lucas Leisure, head coach, clinch MMA KL. And I'm just like, Oh, there's no way I can get out of this. So they just like booted me back across. That's funny enough. That's the reason why I came back to Singapore. Ah, but and was Shaman with you back then? Yeah, she was in KL, dude. <laughs> no, I mean, as in when you were at a uh, immigration. No, she was still in KL at that time. I came just okay. for a quick, for a quick visa run. Right. And then on my way okay. back, they sought me. And then so she was just stuck there in KL. It was just <laughs> now I have to pack not, your bag. Dude, it was not good. And then she had to come. Oh, no, wait. She was here. She was still in Singapore, believe it. No, <clears throat> yeah, she was here. She was not in KL because she had to come and pick me up from the Woodlands checkpoint. Uh, and I'm just like sitting okay. there. And so she had to come down and pick me up and then take me back. And we were like, for three days, we were like, we had no idea what was going to be. Like, my job was gone, right? Just boom, like that. So nowhere to work. Everything I owned was in KL. My cat was there. Nobody, like I had to have somebody go in and feed it because, you know, we expecting to be back and everything. I had like all my money there. Everything I owned was there. And then all of a sudden, like, and they didn't tell me if I'd be able to go back. Like how long before I, can I go pick up my stuff? Like I didn't know any of that mm. stuff. And then so for like three or four days, we just sat around. I was fucking depressed. Like didn't know if I was going to be able to get my money, get my stuff. And then, uh, so Charmaine goes to Kale. She picks up all of our stuff. Luckily, we found a person who was willing to take our cat. And then she brought back some of our stuff. But then within like four days, Sean and Zozo, my two business partners, came to me yeah. and told me that they were thinking about opening up a gym. And I was immediately like, yes, please, I need a fucking job. I need a job <laughs> so bad. Like, it was pure luck. Pure luck. It just happened to, if Clinch had gotten my visa, I never would have come here to go on the visa run and I would still be there. And mm. if I hadn't, if they hadn't got my visa, I never would have come here and stronghold would have never happened, at least with me. Mm. So it was like three days later, it was totally fucking just pure luck, pure luck. Yeah. After a terrible <laughs> tragedy. <clears throat> this is, I remember last year, was it last year that you opened? One year ago, almost exactly. Yeah. Because I remember when I saw the announcement of stronghold, like, what? They're opening there, go check. Oh, it's Luke, you're coming back. <laughs> Yeah, thank God I was yeah. able to just have a job. That was the only thing. Because I was like, I'm well, How you like, manage to, because I know you have a bunch of mats. Because initially I was looking for mats and like, oh, look, trifecta O mats, the orange rollout ones and the mm -hmm. green ones. It was on carousel. I think Shabin was the one handling it. Yeah, we'll see. Buy some. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we, we got some good luck when we were able to get it because we took over the old trifecta basically. Yeah. And so the good thing about that was, and part of the reason that I think Sean and Zozo and them wanted me to be there was because I had old students that could come in. So mm. right away we had at least a base of my old Student students who would come back. Yeah. And then like all of the stuff, like, you know, trifecta wasn't paying their bills and they weren't like, they just literally went in and locked it up. 
everything in there. The mats, the old mats in there, yeah. all the old computers, they just locked it up and we changed, <clears throat> changed the lock and like, you're not getting back in there. So we were able to stipulate on the lease when we signed that we got all of that stuff. <laughs> uh, first, so, I do notice some of the stuff that the, other, the, the last time I went over to Stronghold, I walked past the old trifecta. I was like, oh, look, it's a storage room now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So many things inside. Yes, yes. We, I mean, we got but all then, new mats and we got all new, the, the, the main stuff, <clears> but like some of the old bleachers and stuff like that, that was <clears> from the old trifecta. <laughs> the benches, right? The benches, I recognize yeah. the benches. <laughs> yeah. Actually, our lease is up at the end of the year, so we're going to have to figure oh. out whether we renew at that place or we find something else or as long as I have to know yet. But it'll be in the same area, no matter what, Upper Bukatima. Because I think your student base is currently quite big, bigger now, right? Yes. Compared to what I seen a year ago. Well, yeah, of course. Like last year when I visited, some, it depends on luck on who's coming. Sometimes it can be like four students and sometimes you have 12. They're like, yes, 12 students, many rows. <laughs> it's so, it's so nerve wracking when you open up a gym because you just like, especially in the very, like we started out with maybe 20 and then like mm. our break even number was 80. So we needed 80 to get the business. So it was totally broken even. And then like, but you know, in the beginning for the first three or four months, yeah, you go in and like, it'll be one student for some classes. And then like the peak day, maybe you have four or five. And then like, finally, after about seven months, we started making money. And then we were literally meant to break even the month the coronavirus hit. We had already broken even in terms of money, but we hadn't yet in terms of the students. So, and then, yeah, coronavirus hit. And then now we're just hoping that things, people are hungry to train once all of this stuff is over. Yeah. I'd be curious to you see remember, what it's like. Yeah. You remember Ashraf from Evolve? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I spoke to him because actually we met at UFC gym. <laughs> oh, yeah? I was, there, I was there training with Charlie. Then he happens to be the relief coach for Muay Thai. So after he tell me, hey, follow me. i show you my new gym. Like, you have a new gym. <laughs> Apparently oh, he has one? a business part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, but he's not the guy who's pumping in the money. But oh, okay. apparently he runs it very well. Like in three months, his student base went up to 130. Wow, that's fast. Yeah, but his, I think his marketing, if you take a look at his gym, his marketing is doing very, very well. I think it's one of the best marketing I've seen so far. That's it's a Muay Thai boxing gym. Mm. You can go check it out. I think it's called Refuel. Refuel? Yeah. Yeah, I've heard of that one. Yeah, that's his. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's interesting too, right? Once you own a business, you start looking at everybody. You're like, what are you doing? What are you guys doing? Like, you know, yeah. you try to steal their stuff. It was like, even I remember we had a, oh shit, what was it? There was some like holiday, holiday promotion or something that we were going to do. So we put out an Instagram post. It was like, okay, refer a friend for this holiday period, come back. And then we put the, we put how much it would cost or whatever. And then like literally <clears throat> like three days later, three other gyms had put out something and it was the exact same price point as ours. Uh, so they had just seen like what the market was doing and the promotion that they were going to offer. And then yeah. once they saw what we were doing, they have to offer, they can't offer it more expensive or you know, people yeah, will yeah, go yeah. to the other one. And then you see that, Oh, okay. These other businesses are doing the same thing. Everybody's kind of watching all the gyms are watching each other. Like what kind of specials are you doing? What kind of specials are you doing? Just <laughs> trying to get a vibe of like what the market rate is. <clears throat> yeah, actually I do a little bit of this for major. Like I go and scout around like, I look at things on Faith. Like Faith, I think there's a lot of Muay Thai gym doing a promotion there. Like, oh, for, uh, you pay, I think, $40 for, for I think, pack of three classes or four classes for first time trial only, something like that. So I, I did that kind of research. I also did 
a lot of research on other gyms like how much is your one year like how much would it cost be a one year fee how's the breakdown like versus their scheduling like do they offer just jujitsu only or their things like strength conditioning muay thai boxing all this all this variety comes in and i think there's one last year that we did was the together with i think ns uh, the ns one together with oh uh the NS Day or something like that. SAF Day, yes, SAF Day. Because it's on 1st July, so they have offers for all military personnel like myself who have served NS before. So they, they have offered for that. So I think we went on board with that promotion last year. Yeah, that's good. You got you to gotta have stuff like that. Yeah, we do the same yeah. thing. Like if you're the, in the, the military, for us, it's like really, really cheap. It's like I think almost half the price of what the normal rate would be. Mm. but yeah it's interesting when you start looking at it through like the business lens because then everything <clears throat> changes right like even for yeah. me <clears throat> you know when I was at trifecta for example or even in, at clinch my whole focus was just teaching the class the curriculum like trying to make it everything easily attainable trying mm. to make the classes fun and interesting and then once I opened up stronghold it's like okay now we got to think about marketing and I had to yeah. the website and then all of this other kind of stuff pops up and then you know, I want to do the podcast at the same time and all of these different things start to come in and then you're just like, damn, man, it's a lot. And all these other gyms are, and Singapore is competitive, right? Like, yeah, you don't get to be successful in Singapore without putting a lot of work in because people work hard yeah. here. So you really got to put time <coughs> in, have all of that stuff, the customer service, the, the packages have to be fairly priced. And, you know, I just mm. kind of, it's interesting. You're going to, you thinking about stuff like that? I, yeah, I do. Because like, I re- Normally, I always look at how I started, like how I researched on what gym to go. Like, okay, for example, when I first started, I was look, I was seriously looking at 5G because of the price. Mm. But the Evolve was the first time I went to trial. I was like, oh, it's such a good experience here. It's so clean. I've never, and at that point, I have to be honest, I've never stepped into 5G at that point of time. So I'd be there like, okay, let's sign on on Evolve based on my experience for trial. Mm. But then again, Back then, when I was choosing gyms, because back then I didn't even know MMA exists in Singapore until Nikotra. I was doing my internship for my university, so I was like, oh, I was reading you said, oh, there's MMA in Singapore, she's fighting. Oh, okay, let's look for MMA gyms. So several pop up. So some of my criteria as a layman, some of my criteria are how many martial arts they have. Oh, they have Muay Thai, Jiu Jitsu, Boxing, good. They have at least three. So there are some of the criteria. And also, for myself, because I do karate back then and I stopped and then somehow I continued, uh, but I stopped for now again. So the, uh, the other criteria for me is actually trajectory. Uh. I think for laymen, if they don't understand jiu-jitsu, right, they actually want to look at, oh, what's the time frame? How long do I get to my blue? What's the criteria? Like, you know, like typical karate, judo, taekwondo, like what is the rubrics to get to the next belt? Yeah. So I think for Singaporeans, we are very rubrics driven. We are very like, in, we see the next promotion as an incentive, I would say for laymen. But once you step into jujitsu alone, you know that sometimes belt don't really matter. It's the, the, it's the progress. But yeah. in order to attract these folks, right, they actually need all these things to be spelled out very clearly to them. Yeah, well, that's why, like, you know, I, I don't, I'm not down for that Brazilian bullshit that you're not allowed to talk to your professor about your rank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, I'm not like that at all. If yeah. any of my students want to come and they say, hey, what do I need to do? to get to this point, like these are my goals, X, mm. Y, and Z, I'll tell them. Like, I'm not secretive about it, yeah. I don't hide it. I honestly think that that shit is toxic. Cause it's like, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's for me to know and you to know, it's like, what? That's stupid. Like, especially like, you know, I would, you know, it's weird if you go to a Brazilian and you try to ask them about their rank, they're gonna look at you like you're fucking crazy. 
Like it is the not cool. <laughs> yeah, it is not cool. And I'm like, and I, I would think about this sometimes and I would see other people do it and I'd be like, motherfucker, I'm older than you. Like, like we're the same age. We're peers at the very least. Like in this mm. classroom, I'll listen to you. But like outside of that, we're two adults. Like you're telling me adult mm. to adult, I can't be like, hey man, my goal is to do this, 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 and get this rank by this point and do this. And you know, I had Any one advice? student, yeah. Yeah, I had one student who's yeah. like, Hey man, I'm leaving at the end of the year. I want to open up a gym in the other country. And he wants to be a purple belt when he opens up his gym. And so he came to me and he's like, Hey, this is my goal. What do you think about this? And I was like, yeah, man, we can work something out. No, I mean, mm. there's no guarantee, but if you put the work in, you come to class, you work on the techniques that I think need to, a purple belt needs mm. to have then it's totally reasonable that we can work on that or at the very least get close. If you if your instructor is not willing to talk to you about that, that's crazy. Like yeah. you're two adults. If you can't speak to each other about these goals, like people say, oh, it's not about the belts. It's not about, it's not about the belts. But, Nobody talk about promotion. <laughs> yeah. But to pretend like people don't care or that it's like crazy to talk about it is insane to me. And you know, like one of the things going back to the previous conversation about you kind of have to know what your market is. Right. And you, you were talking mm. about shopping around other gyms. And like, I thought about this when we opened up stronghold, like if you're in the Singapore market, most people, if they can afford it, if they're first time martial arts, BJJ players, Muay Thai people, like they're going to go to evolve. Why are they going to go to yes. evolve? Well, because it's, it's everywhere. It's in all of the marketing. They have mm. the nicest facilities. They have the biggest gym, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of students. Like that's going to be the first thing they can, they hear about and all the marketing, the world champions, all that shit. Mm. If they don't have any other point of reference, that's probably where they'll go, right? Yeah. So then I'm like, okay, how do I distinguish myself in this market? And the two things that I came up with is one, I'm not gonna be that guy that won't talk to you about that stuff. You wanna talk to me about it? Then talk to me about it. I'll speak to you like an adult. And then two yeah. was, I teach every class on the schedule. You know, it's not, there's not five different black belts, 10 different Muay Thai coaches that sort of lacks that direct connection. It's like, I don't mm -hmm. care if you're a girl, a boy, a beginner, an uh, advanced, whether it's MMA, jujitsu, gi, no gi, like I teach every class on the schedule and when every white belt walks in the door, I get to roll with you. So all mm. of that kind of culty shit that you know exactly what I'm talking about, that everybody yeah, that's yeah, done yeah. jujitsu, <laughs> everyone that's done jujitsu for like more than a year knows what I'm talking about, all that yeah. stuff's gone. Like my wife works there, so the women have a fair shake. There's no, I can I'll talk to you openly about your ranks because you're a fucking adult just like me. And then you're gonna have one person that's gonna teach you and you, you're not gonna be split trying to get attention from all these different people and from this discipline to this discipline. And then ah, just, that was a shit that I didn't like. So then as we started to open up, okay, like we'll build our business model around that. It's something different. The major is the only other coach in Singapore, I think other than us that also teaches like most of the classes across the yeah, disciplines yeah, yeah. too. Correct. He, he teaches most of the classes. So I only help to off offload the fundamentals. That doesn't mean he doesn't teach a day. So like the days right. I teach usually is, we have the all level class and immediate up, immediately after that is a all uh, is a fundamental class on the other level then major will continue teaching the mma class so some of the guys if they want to do two d classes they'll usually one class with major then one class with me yeah that's and good. usually i will i'm a student in that major's class first before i transit down as an instructor yeah yeah for sure well the nice thing about so major's place is there's two levels as well so he can have yeah, multiple currently. classes going yeah i mean you know if, if we continue to grow uh, i'm sure that we'll bring in other people to teach classes sometimes as well but not not ever like evolve where you know they just have so many instructors and they're always cycling in and out and then the muay thai instructors are different and you know for a lot of people they want like the service that major and i can offer which is 
if you want MMA, right? Like you can go to the ties. I'm not going to be able to teach you Muay Thai better than a Thai. I'm not yeah. going to be able to teach you jujitsu better than a Brazilian. I'm not going to yeah. be able to, but the way that it's integrated, that's is where we can like get a niche and the way that we yes. communicate with our students is also unique. So it takes time because a lot of that is word of mouth and stuff. But as I think more and more about it, I'm quite happy with, with that decision because these big bloated academies that have all kinds of instructors, I mean, it's cool, but it, it lacks that personal touch that you get with like mm. some smaller gyms. You know what I mean? Yeah. What do you, uh, who else teaches there? You and I know that he has some other, Andrea does some classes, right? Or Andrea, Arthur. she trains there. Arthur, okay, Arthur is a relief whenever either major, okay, so sometimes a major needs to corner student like for left way, no, he's out for left way duties or corner for MMA. So usually I'll cover the class first then followed by Arthur or Shay, uh, Sha. Hmm. All right. So yeah, so they are the cover, the cover coaches. What do you think about the, the coaching? Has there been some, some challenges? I mean, the thing that's interesting about you too is you and I were both teachers before this. So you already have, <laughs> yeah, you're still a teacher. I'm still a teacher too. I just teach cooler shit. Yeah. I used to, <laughs> I used to yeah. teach English and I'd way rather teach martial arts. But so you already have the teaching background, which is what I think a lot mm -hmm. of like, if you go to Evolve, that they lack because, you know, they don't do, they don't really follow the idea of a curriculum very much, the Brazilians mm -hmm. and the Thais. So it tends to be like, at least with the Brazilians that I worked with, they just kind of roll up and teach whatever they want to teach that day. Mm. Not really thinking like months down the line and how to lead things. Yeah. Some of them do. But, and then the other thing is the actual teaching, the communication, which is a whole other skill. Like if you're a black belt in jiu-jitsu and you just started teaching, you just started teaching it, then you're a black belt in jiu-jitsu who's a white belt at teaching jiu-jitsu. Right? Because teaching is its own yeah. art form. Actually, it's, it's very different. Because very different. like two of us, we know every class we need a lesson plan so initially yeah. when i started coaching right i actually have a notebook i show daryl chia as i told him before he i'm known for not taking notes i'm known for that then when daryl see me starting to write notes now he knew something is wrong that's yeah i'm planning my lessons for jiu-jitsu so i had to plan like on like example the first day normally my fundamentals for the same week is the same then the following week i need to fall back on the previous week to level uh, to teach a new skill so what I call it, I think for you is the same thing. What I call it is we have to engage the students' prior knowledge, what they know beforehand, in order for them to learn a new skill. So if they do not know certain skill beforehand, then they're unable to, to execute the new skill that they're going to learn today. That is especially true when I have trial students coming in. Like some oh, today we're going to do, I think it was some spider sweep or something. Obviously, the students have no idea, the trial student, because they have no idea. Firstly, they don't know what's a sweep and they don't know what's a spider grip. That's two things that can put through them off. So usually I'll do differentiated learning where that happened. So the main class, they learn something. Then for the trial student, I will give them simpler stuff that is similar, like just a normal suite. So I, I do think some of our classroom teaching skills actually come in play. Oh, like, definitely like does. It's super such important. Such as differentiated. I did see before, I think when I was training with, uh, with Stronghold last year, I, I remember seeing a few trial students coming in. Then you just get Sean, Sean, help them with this. Yeah, different, a different set of instruction from the rest of us. Yeah, yeah. It's so I think well, in, a, in a way it's yeah. good because I remember that day some of the techniques you taught was actually quite high level. Mm. So definitely the new guys can't can catch it. Yeah, so, so then, I, so then I split it. I'm not going to expect the yeah, new yeah, people yeah. to jump in there and do that. Yeah, at least they're engaged. Yes, Sean's, like, oh, Sean's really good and really patient yeah. as well. You know, yeah, he's, yeah, one yeah. Of, he's one of those people that I really enjoy teaching <clears> because like I can put him any day with you know, he's, he wants to get competitive roles too, right? 
but mm, I can always yes. tell him to go with a new white belt girl or whatever. And he, you know, like you ever tell people to roll with somebody that maybe is a way lower level than them. And then you can tell they're kind of shitty about it. Like, Oh, what do I have to do it? You know, like they want to get the good mm, roles. They want to yes, roll with yes. the more advanced people. So they will be kind of like shitty about that kind of thing. He's never like that, which is mm. a really, really good quality. Like you can still learn stuff from beginners. And more importantly, like as you're going up through the ranks, it's really important to remember what it was like to be that white belt that, who yes. came in and they're nervous, right? They're scared. They don't like you're, yeah. you're coming in to get on your spare time to get choked and get your bones broken and simulated murder. Like for a layman, <laughs> that is like really scary. It, you know, to us, it's you get desensitized to <clears throat> the discomfort, to the pain, to you get desensitized to it and it just becomes a normal part of life. But if you're that beginner, they don't feel they're not desensitized to it. It's still very extreme to them. So the worst thing that you can see is like asking one of your upper belt students to go and train with a new person. And then they fucking roll their eyes. Oh, why do I have to do it? It's like, go just, were you kidding me? Like, are you kidding me right now? Just go do it. There's a new person in the yeah. gym. We want to grow, right? Mental. <laughs> you want this team to build? You got to help, yeah. you know? And he's always like that. He, he never has that ego. He's like, oh, I don't want to. Mm, he's really yeah. happy to do it. Helps that he's an owner too. You know what I mean? Helps <laughs> yeah, that he's yeah, an yeah. owner and he's invested in the business side of things as well. But yeah, that kind of attitude. If you're, for those advanced belts out there listening, roll with the white belts. That's your yeah. job. It's, it's a, if you want to get your black belt, you better be able to roll with the white belts. Like that's part of the process. You can't be the person that only gets the good rolls all the time. Like that's just not how it goes. You got to give it back. I think at the level of purple and brown, you, I think one of the criteria, actually, you just share with me, I agree. One of the criteria that you, to get a black, leading up to your black is you should be able to give simple instruction, like teach a simple technique. So it could be a class or it could be one-to-one, like, like the situation you gave, gave us just now, when a new person come in, okay, just pair this purple belt, can you help me with this new guy? So at that point of time, as a, as a purple belt, I think they should be, they should try to give, uh, to guide a new person into for the training, to give the correct instruction as, as well. And the reactions and the feedback and make sure they don't yes. get hurt, right? Make sure they're not <coughs> yes, going yes. ape shit. Make sure they're not going to accidentally claw somebody. Make sure that, yeah. they, you know what I mean? Like there's so many different things that uh, an experienced person knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey man, Especially you for the first Hey man, you're too tense. You got to loosen up. Hey man, you're going to burn out and you're going to be really regretting this if you keep going at this pace for the next two minutes. Hey man, you're not allowed to grab a finger. Like there's so many little things that a first day yes. person may do that they don't even know they're not supposed to yes, do. Yes, yes. And you know, that's sort of their job is to be able to do that, which is why I always roll with the trials the first time. I mean, mm-hmm. not always like uh, drill with them or something because I'm walking around, but almost always within the first two or three days, everybody's rolled with me. So there's never a day in the gym where someone comes in, even you, every time you come to the gym, do I roll pretty much every time do I roll with you, right? You always always roll with me. (laughs) Why? Because you're a guest in the gym. And so if you want to come into the gym, I want you to come to the gym again. So I roll with you every time in person. I don't care who they are. I roll with them, you know? And you don't let me pull (laughs) gut. That's my rule, man. That's my rule in training. No, take a note. That's my rule, man. For training, at least you can't, unless you're like, if you're competing and your, your goal is to get to the guard, then you can practice pulling guard. But if you're in the yeah. gym, just regular training, then you got to practice your takedowns. Yeah. <laughs> but that was good. That, that was very good for me because I cannot assume the opponent will be like, Oh, willingly let me pull guard. The opponent might blast for double. Like I think my C games first opponent, I know he's no way going to pull guard or he's going to let me pull guard that easily. Because I fought him, I think, in 2018 during Asian game qual- qualifiers. So actually, I lost that one. I pulled guy, he told me. I actually popped my ankle twice. 
Oof. back then. Yeah, that's why I spent one whole year training up for the, the C Games. And when I when I saw the bracket, I was like, dude, I'm fighting the same guy again. Yeah. Well, it's like In that once you, round. I mean, you're a brown belt now. It's when you go to pretty much any of these competitions at the higher level, yeah. you're going to see most of the same people over and over and over and over again. So Major is like, it's time, it's time. Let's get the win this time. <laughs> so that's why that win was very emotional for me. Yeah, you uh, beat somebody you lost to. Yeah. How yeah. was that experience like? One the, year. The SEA Games training and competition and all that stuff. Yeah, that? I was sick. I would say training is actually very tough. So to any of you inspiring to be a national athlete, <laughs> you have to be able to commit. Yeah, because I think you have to put in about 20 hours a week. Remember last year, I have to track, I have to tell, oh, I have to go stronghold on this day, I have to go highlight reel on this day, and mm. then sometimes equilibrium, sometimes UFC. <laughs> so you have to really recommit, and it's, it's not going to be easy because there are also, besides training for the major game like example the upcoming one will be Asian Games 2022 so if you are if you are listening and you are aspiring to be an athlete representing Singapore it's a whole year thing firstly you have to win at, qualif- at our local qualifiers there will be a few qualifiers you need to make the mark overseas I think I'll foresee one would be an Asian Championship before the Asian Games itself you have to make if it's the same yardstick you have to make six in Asia in order to to represent Singapore even though if you are the best Really? That's what happened to yeah. If that's what happened to me in 2018, Con was go. Con and I were going for Asian Games, so eventually Con got it because he made the mark. But then they back then they allowed to send two athletes per division, so I I was actually a second athlete, but I did not make the mark because I lost to the Thai guy. I think it was the quarterfinals. I lost the quarterfinals, so I finished the ranking season, uh, with a seventh position in Asia. <laughs> And you had to be so six to qualify? Yes, you had to be six. Oh. For Singapore standard though. So yeah, I was like bumped out. Like, it's just one more fight. One more placing. I couldn't go Asian. But Asian what if they don't games. have somebody in the position? You know, like like Major came to me and spoke about maybe Charmaine competing <coughs> because they didn't have any women in the 40s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, telling, I was telling Major, right, that Singapore has no one in 40, 42? Or is it, for, no, 42. 48, yes, 42. 42. Oh, 40, she, can't, no, she can't make 40 42. No, sorry, it's not 42. small, bro. <laughs> that is small. No, it's not 42. I think it's 45. Because 45, we have May. We have May Young. She's doing 48. She's currently training at Pharma. So 45 is the only one. We have no one in Singapore. Mm. So by default, if okay, so for example, Shemin makes the weight for 45. She's the sole competitor in Singapore in 45. They'll make her fight most likely May for fun. Just to get, if she wins three ranking points locally, if she loses two ranking points, Either way, she's number one in Singapore. That's it. But that doesn't mean that Shermaine will... Let's use SEA Games as an example last year. That doesn't mean that Shermaine will represent Singapore for SEA Games. Because the next criteria for Shermaine is she has to make number three among the Southeast Asian country that's competing in the tournament. So last year, we went to Mongolia for Asian Championship. Thankfully, I hit on the, on the mark third in Asia, a uh, third in Southeast Asia. But my overall ranking wasn't great. Uh. But it, among the Southeast Asian country, I was third. I was like, oh, I made the mark. Thank God. Mm. So you had to make such marks. Yeah. But that's interesting. I'm glad that they're doing that now. That's a really, really fun thing that people can get hyped for training for. And, yeah. you know, it's a nice big tournament. Yeah. So I'm glad. The next one is 2022? For now, because I believe my sources so far for Vietnam Sea Games is Jiu-Jitsu is not a Category 3 sports yet. Usually, they'll announce that very, very late, like maybe end of this year. Then they'll say, oh, Jiu-Jitsu is in, or Jiu-Jitsu will not be in. 
those are those will normally be one year before the games normally at the end of the year so for now i would think that there isn't because from the snoc side they told me that there isn't so far but then again the good the good thing is uh right now singapore is the headquarters for the asean jiu-jitsu yeah. association so hopefully they are we are able to make a push for sea games 2021 to have jiu-jitsu as one of the sports then yeah i mean they should right if they had it last time yeah. i'm sure it was i mean it was all over the newspapers like <clears throat> at least in singapore i guess it depends on how popular it is in other countries too but i mean it seems like jiu-jitsu is growing really quick in yeah. southeast asia but then again to be a category three sport it has to be a sport where the host country will see that yeah i can win many medals and that that's the case for philippines that's why back in 2018 we already knew that Philippines will most likely have jiu-jitsu because they're the host. And mm. actually, I, I don't know if this is true, but a lot of Filipinos told me that they said jiu-jitsu is a national sport. Really? That's why we knew. Yeah, we knew beforehand jiu-jitsu would be in. But the other thing that we didn't expect is, last year was funny. They only allow one athlete per division. Usually it's two. Mm. Yeah, so the pool, the pool of athletes is actually quite small. Really? I mean, you th- there'll, be, there'll be more though. As time goes on, I mean, there must be like, the thing with Singapore though, is that so many of the people that train are foreigners, even still, like go to a lot of gym. I mean, at my gym, it's probably half, but you know, I'm in kind of an expat area. So it's probably (laughs) half the people that train are are foreigners. That's probably true for Evolve too. I mean, I know Highlight Real, you guys have a lot of locals. Yeah, but we do have some aspects as well. You have some foreigners there too, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're they're good guys. Yeah, yeah, they Strong are good. Guys. Yeah, absolutely. And they can't compete in the, that tournament. So only, only Singaporeans, right? Yeah, yeah. Only Singaporeans. Not PR, even PR. PR cannot, no. right? Yeah. Okay. Because initially we thought PR, PR can participate. Then I went to check about the rules because we are, initially we were thinking of Asian Beach Games. This year there's an Asian Beach Games at China. End of the year. But I don't know if they are still going on with that. Because rumor has it that it was actually no gi. Ooh. <laughs> No gi, yes. So Major actually wants to try out for it. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Then after we went to dig out rules, then yeah, not even PR. But Major, I think Major is not a PR yet. So yeah. Yeah, he's not. But then PR. again, we went to find find out that PR can't represent Singapore as well, to mm. my knowledge. Yeah. Are you doing uh, no gi, or are you doing any other any other martial arts? I, are you doing Muay Thai or anything like that? Uh, ever since I know you I did back in the day. Yeah, I did so much Muay Thai. That's how I look. I, I would think that most of my weight loss is from Muay Thai and the SNC fight shape. That that's contributed most of it. Uh, actually, honestly, I feel that Jiu-Jitsu, I can't lose weight in Jiu-Jitsu. I just can't. <laughs> you can't what? Sorry? <clears throat> I can't lose weight doing Jiu-Jitsu. That's because once you get to the point that you're good, you can relax and you can chill out the whole time. Like, <laughs> I can roll for two hours and barely be sweating just because like, depending on who I'm rolling with, I can just chill and take it easy and kind of just do whatever. You know, but like in Muay Thai, when you're hitting the pads, you can actually still relax quite a lot, but it just demands more. Like you can get away yeah. when you're really good at jujitsu, just being fucking lazy. <laughs> like, but I do know guys who actually lose weight doing only jujitsu. Oh, for sure. I, I mean, if, it's, compared it's to nothing, yeah. For, yeah, for sure you can, if you have nothing else doing, but <laughs> once you get really, really good at, I mean, you know, it's like the stereotype of the fat black belt, like three, four stripe black belt. Well, two things happen. One, maybe he quit training or two, he's probably just like flow and chilling out. Like, unless he's rolling with like his top, top, top students, they're probably not going to be yeah. able to give him a much of a role. So like, yeah, you know what I'm talking about? You roll with, you can roll with 10 white belts and like, 
you'll burn some calories, but you're not going to be like dying, like heart rate way up high. You're not going to be in the red zone. Like, you know, you'll still be pretty good. Yeah. That's why I supplemented a lot on cardio last year. Yeah. You got to. And, and not, and just saying, because I think in the martial community, people are like, oh, you're doing this. Actually, I made use of the SMU body combat and body attack to lose. Really? <laughs> Right. So, oh yeah, don't tell guys. Like, you shouldn't have well, said that in this podcast, man. People are gonna be like, "What the fuck?" Now is everybody's doing? judging me. Like, what yeah, are you exactly. doing body combat. You know martial art, and you're doing body combat. I can just see you like, yeah, one, two, three. Oh, in the- <laughs> that's why I saw people. They're doing all the chicken. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Chicken wings, just. I know. There's I no see- guard, and but I get very triggered whenever they do the double leg shoot. I like. No, that's not a double leg takedown. <laughs> do you want yeah. me to demonstrate one? <laughs> I get triggered when I see that stuff too. That's a pro- That's why most of us like hate on that because we see it and we just get triggered. We're like, no, that's not correct. Not good technique. But I, have to, but I have to say it's the fastest way to keep my cardio up. Do some Muay Thai, bro. Do some <laughs> fucking real martial arts. Kick some pads. <laughs> I know. Do but some, because do I like real sprints. skating, allow that. Do some like clean and press and some deadlifts. Do some man shit. Not some not lame hill shit. Yeah, I know. I'm guilty of that. I'm just shitting on you. Do what you like, man. Who cares? Do whatever makes you happy. But it's like the people doing the do you ever see the high intensity, like the F what is it? F what's that? F forty five. F forty five boxing. That looks pretty rough too. Boxing they have? Yeah, they have you know, but, like those those hit boxing classes where it's the same oh, kind of thing where they're just like, Yay, jump, punch, kick, you know. Major and I went to a boom class at uh, fitness first before. Boom is actually a 45 minutes. They ask you to put on your boxing glove and just punch the bag. Like right now, we do jab cross, jab cross. They're like, <laughs> you can tell me all about it. It's it so hilarious because they were expecting you to have no form until they see us. Yeah, we that's why punches. it's always weird when you yeah. go in there. Because then, and then you probably have a lot more technique than the instructor. So like then there's this yeah. weird thing going on where like they're like oh someone here knows what they do and then you're like he he probably knows more than me he knows I'm a fraud <laughs> <laughs> can sense it but but then again they're fitness they're fitness fitness type they're not yeah, the it's, it's a different niche. Type. yeah yeah it's yeah. a different so niche. you can't fault them for that yeah but it is one of those things where it's like I don't know you know the forum is everybody who does any sort of fitness knows that the mm. form is great. That's like saying, oh, if you go to a powerlifting gym, they're going to teach you how to deadlift. But if you go to a CrossFit gym, like you would still expect them to know how to do a correct deadlift, right? Even though it's a different thing. Mm. Like if you're going to one of these box fit classes, you should still know how to box because that's what the thing is. Yeah. There's correct boxing punches, just like there's correct deadlift. At least a fundamental. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you don't have to be like a master, but you know, you can't, your elbows can't pop up when you're punching. You can't like, yeah. you know, you have to turn your shoulder and stuff. But yeah, that's, that's, that's interesting because that's a lot of Singapore. That hit stuff that is really popular now and martial arts are becoming really mainstream with, <coughs> with workout routines. So you do see a lot of that sort of bad yeah. technique. Especially now with Circuit Breaker. <laughs> uh, as in now it's phase one. Previously in Circuit Breaker, yeah, I've been, actually I've been conducting hit during Circuit Breaker like twice a day for my friends, 9 a.m. and 6 p.m. <laughs> Nice. That's good. But you know what yeah. you're doing. You can, you can do that for sure. Yeah. I've been doing classes as well, resume for my students. and Yeah, I saw. I think it was the kids class, right? Well, Charmaine does the kids and then I do the adults. Actually, yeah. we, we, we were doing them every week for a few weeks there, but then we just decided to watch the fights instead. So like now, instead of doing the training, because you know, it's weird. everybody's like in a tiny little box and like everybody's trying and we were still getting decent workouts. And I was like, hey guys, what about we just all get together on Zoom and then like watch the UFC? 
So that's what uh, we've been doing now. Every Sunday for the last two weeks, we just yeah. I saw the other one, the Gilbert Burns one. I missed it. I was like, when is it going to be yeah. on? Oh, we're gonna do the we're gonna do the Fight Island one for sure. All right, we'll do that one. So if you if you or anybody listening wants to join, I'll put out a, a link onto Facebook or something, and we can all just you know because we talk like this, we talk about the techniques, we watch the fights, we all just lose our minds, and it's good fun just just to keep in touch with the students in the base and try to keep the community yeah. intact as much as we can through these weird times that we're in. Yeah. But surprisingly, Jiu-Jitsu lessons still can be done on Zoom because I actually joined Monarchy for their Zoom classes for quite a fair bit. It was actually quite effective. It's like so I think once, yeah, but it's, it's pretty good. So once actually we had a chair there, oh my goodness, I hate Burimbolo. Yeah. <laughs> Not Burimbolo. Gramley Row, I like, ah. Yeah, so I'm quite, doing with a chair. I'm very inflexible. So that day I was doing Gramley Row like, crazy with the chair led by Brutino it was really, really really good and I think there was one day where we had to use a gi we had to do spider a lot of spider drill then there was one there was one drill that shit me I was like oh I didn't know I can do that some spider drill and then we enter into us into Amba through through spider just with the jacket just holding yeah, the jacket, the jacket. Your feet on yeah. the feet on the sleeves yeah that's interesting yeah, yeah. So we I just I've been doing like MMA ones like where it's just all you need is a, mat. a lot of like wall drills, inverting drills. Ah, okay. I mean, did some with the, with the chair as well. And then I would do like MMA stuff. So stand up is the easiest thing, right? If you're striking, mm, you, don't, yes. you, don't, you can shadow box, you can kick and throw some squats in there and then you roll over and do some, there I allow guard pulling, <laughs> you know, some wall, <laughs> wall hip escapes and invert. I learned how to invert on the walls at Evolve doing just before class would start. I didn't know how to, cause I, I was such a wrestler, right? Cause that was my first yeah. thing. I never inverted ever until I was a purple belt. And then like, I, I was I like, Oh, I should probably figure this out. And then, so I sat there like a fucking idiot, a purple belt, like some of the white belts can do it, you know? And I just like <laughs> trying to turn on my head, like, you know, you know, I'm stretched out too far and doing everything wrong. And then every day I would just sit there on the wall, feet on the wall, <laughs> practicing inverting. And then I was like, okay, so I'll just, this is a perfect time to get my white belts you know, now white belts just a few months in can, can all invert and upside down guard and all that kind of stuff. Mm. So I was like, that's perfect. And I'll just do that. Don't need anything. Just need a wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just now I mentioned Monarchy, right? So yeah. Do you share the news of Malaysia? What? They get to reopen their gym starting Monday. Monday? I don't know when this, po- I don't know when this podcast is going to be on, but Probably when tomorrow. I said Monday, it's actually 15 June. Oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah, I'll probably, yeah. I'll probably post this tomorrow, this podcast. Ah, so they get to train on 15th June. I'm like, oh, man. I know. It's <laughs> going to be so much. They're supposed to make announcement on the 15th, right? Phase two. Yes. But I have some, I, I, because coming from where I work, I also know being in Singapore for so long, I know how are they going to slowly ease up all this uh, restriction, right? So I think gyms, because gyms are allowed to open up in phase two, but then again, uh, you, you remember the pre-circuit breaker phase where yeah. they suddenly restrict 10 the class, no contact. I think those are going to kick in. So it's a reverse. It's a reverse flow. Whatever happened back then, now we are going to U-turn and move towards the direction. Yeah, so most likely 10 the class. But that'll no probably contact. be J- July 1st, right? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure about that. Because what I don't think they're going to do is like they make the announcement on the 15th, right? That's in two days. <clears throat> I think mm. when they make the announcement, it's not going to be like, okay, you can start back up it's tomorrow. It's going to be next week. No, yeah. yeah. They're going to give a lead time. Yeah, they're going to give a lead time. So that's why I think probably 
it's going to be at least another two weeks. <coughs> I July think 1st. for smaller gyms, we are still okay because our the business model is like okay, we can have ten a class. Like equilibrium is quite good. When I spoke to Takeo, uh, and actually he asked me, is half an hour a good timing for classes? So back then. Before CD, right? So what he did is a one-hour class is split into half an hour, half an hour. So it became two classes of half an hour. So he allows students to only attend one of them. So if you come for session one, after you're done, wash up, go home. Then other students can come for session two. In a way, you have 20 students. Oh, okay. So more students get to come. Yeah, we probably yeah, do 45s because so we have a lot of hour and a half long. We have hour and a half long class every day now. Ah. So we probably split that into 45. But that's a good move. <clears throat> Now I'm thinking of a bigger gyms where I know Pharma is okay with this, the 10 student per class because they are actually the first one to do it in Singapore when all this re uh, regulation kicks in. And I'm thinking of bigger gyms like, like where we don't have to book our lessons like UFC and Evolve because I know their business model is a little bit different. It's like we have scheduled throughout the day and we don't limit the number of students. So I really wonder how are they going to manage it. I also wonder, like I can't help but wonder how much money Evolve has lost especially the really big gyms that need for, like, for location, right? Oh for locations with those facilities. Like, <clears throat> wow, man, that's a lot. That is a lot of money. And I think they're still paying their staff. They can't say that, Oh, there's no coaching. So no, no payment. So yeah. Must pay something. They got to pay something. Yeah. So yeah. Wow. it's going to be, it's going to be interesting coming back. Like I wonder if all the gyms are going to make it. I mean, so far they're all still talking like they are. It'll be curious. I'll be curious to see like what the actual impact of all this is going to be on like the local gym economy. Hmm. What do you think of a competition in Singapore? What do you mean? Because Brudino, Brudino and I had this conversation, I think in May, we are... Brudino or Bruninho? Brudino, Brudino. Okay. Bonaki, Bonaki. Oh, okay. I thought We're very Bruz close. Bro, I thought you meant Brudino, <laughs> Evolve. Brudino is all the way in Brazil now, I think. That, that's why I was like, really? You were speaking to him? <laughs> oh, Brudino. No, so, Bruninho. Yeah, yeah Brunino. Bruno, <laughs> Coach Bruno. Ah, okay. They always call him Bruno. <laughs> So what are you so saying? Actually, we are, so we are thinking that's a, that that's our take. We're thinking that's unlikely to have any tournaments this year, even in November, December. Yeah, that's that's probably makes sense. Because I think one of the organizers in Malaysia is claiming that they can start one in November. But I don't know about firstly, I don't know about how's the situation in the country as well as about travel restriction though. Are we are we allowed to travel for leisure still? Not yet, but I saw an article. <laughs> I saw an article in the Straits Times that says they're talking about opening up the Singapore Malaysia border. Mm. They're starting to. Yeah, uh, but that is only for Johor. Yeah, I think exactly. it's for the workers. I don't know. It's interesting because, like, even when will sport come back? Like, do you think? Do you think one will do a, a show this year? Uh, unlikely, Singapore. Unlikely, In Singapore, they can. Unlikely. Unlikely. Yeah. I think they'll go to places like China or Thailand where, where countries are more open up right? or they claim that they are totally COVID free. I think mm. those places they are they're they are more open to the to have the economy back up. But so, then it's like then it gets weird too, right? Because then you have to have the foreign fighters go into those countries from countries yes. that are maybe more worse yeah. so, off than others. For Singapore, I don't know if our government even allow us to travel out. So for that case, I don't even know if Singapore fighters are able to fight at all. If it's in a foreign ground. Yeah, that's, that's a tough one. Because how do those guys make money? <clears throat> yeah, because now we are also looking at Lion City Championship, the one by Alvin. Yeah. So we're thinking, how are we going to run it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe by the end of the year. I mean, it's it's still only halfway through the year now. Like it's, we're just getting into yeah. July. So, you know, in four or five months, you could maybe aim for something for 
November or December. I mean, sport has to come back. So, mm, but it's just, I mean, even when, when. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I feel like in August or September, things are pretty much just got to let them go back to normal, right? I mean, what are they going to go? Phase five, phase six, phase seven, phase eight. <laughs> like at a certain point, you just got to be like, okay, everything's back and running. Mm. But I don't know. I can't wait to just go back to training. Yeah. I miss it so much. I'm getting fat. I'm drinking all the time. I got nothing better to do. <laughs> just like, dude, I got nothing better to do. So we're sitting here, like I'm working on my podcast and on my website and like stuff for the gym and curriculums. And all that. But at a certain point, I'm just like, oh my God, I need to train. At least dude. you have kettlebell. Yes, I we have kettlebells. kettlebells. I need to punch and strangle people, dude. I'm losing my mind. <laughs> oh, a friend, a few friends of mine from my church who also trains with me at Highlight Real, they actually bought me a kettlebell by surprise for my birthday. Oh, nice. So it was delivered. Yeah. Use it. You, well, yeah. What size is it? 20. I was like, oh my goodness. That's so, a good one. No, that's good. If you only got one, yeah, you, want it to be, yeah. you want it to be heavy. Yeah. It'll be 20. But if for most of the exercise, usually I'll use 16. Yeah. Yeah. Or two sixteen, like but one oh one twenty. Turkish get out on thirty. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. Ah. But, you can, but you can do the swings. You can do you, know, you can do swing, any goblet thing lifts. Yeah, yeah. My favorite is the snatch. That's the one I do the most. Clean and snatch is a little bit tricky, but still manageable. Yeah, that's a tough one for twenty. I use sixteen. In Russian like, twist is is crazy. I was like, that'll burn your core. Oh my gosh! I'll stick to my five. I I have a. I have this Pilate weights 5K. The heaviest they had is 5KGs from Decathlon. So I use the end twist better than nothing. Yeah. Yeah, everybody's just focusing on the home workout. I went into the gym one day to clean it, and then I just brought back some of our mats. And then so like, so Charmaine can I can do something. Like we live in a tiny little, sp- a tiny little space, but it's enough to get four mats. So we, uh, just, we just use those. We can stretch a little bit. At least it's something. This is my parents' house. My my new my own house is delayed. I'm supposed to get my keys like now. <laughs> oh yeah, we were supposed to construction. We were supposed to move out the month that the <laughs> pandemic hit, and then it oh. was like like we we had already been speaking to landlords and everything, and then it's like, well, well, what do we do? Are we supposed to move out with like now we don't have any income because the gym's closed? Oh. So it's like now we're stuck here, and then once we open back up, we'll have to earn some more money for a few months, and then it's just delayed it probably till the end of the year as well, which means I will have lived in my fucking like wife's parents place for like over a year dude it's driving me crazy i'm an american i moved out when i was 17 here i am at okay. 30 years old living with my wife's parents and the back of stronghold is quite big right the yeah changing room, you can convert part of it to a living quarters yeah we we did that before but it's just too uncomfortable like when oh. we first when we first opened up we would stay there sometimes because i was like when we first opened up i taught seven days a week for like six months uh, every day all the time so like we live in Sembalang now and that trip, yeah. three hours a day, seven days a week for six months, we were ready to kill each other, me and my wife. <laughs> you know what I mean? So we would just sometimes, especially like on the weekend, class finishes at 10 and then we have class, we have to be there at like 9.30 the next morning. And with a three hour commute and getting up, it was just brutal. So three hours one way? No, three hours total. Oh, so but, it's about an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah, it's about an hour and a half, but we would finish class at like 10, 10.30 home by 11.30, showered, eat, in bed by like one or two, and then have to be up at eight, and then take that trip again. And it was just killer, dude, it was so bad. But uh, th- thankfully, we don't work every day now. We have a day off. Yeah. Yeah, All so right, for my parents' place, I was Go saying ahead. that I can, actually, I can actually put nine mats. Nine? Like, oh, that's, like, that's, that's nice. That's why it's not too bad. 
<laughs> yeah, I see your uh, videos that you're putting up on Zoom yeah, and stuff, yeah. and it looks like you've got a decent amount of space. You've got a good setup. Your parents don't care that you just take that whole room and oh, it's a living room. It. So initially, initially, again, people are going to crucify me for this. Initially, because it was pre-circuit breaker, but James, I think James was asked on to be on certain restrictions end of March, right? Mm. So from end of March to April, actually, what I did is, Homework, home shit was at 4.30 back then, 4.30 to 5, and at 5, my wife will come join me, sometimes my mom, and guess what they join me for? What? Body, body combat. Oh, <laughs> see? But for, if you're teaching it, it's probably okay still, because at least oh, you no, no, know. No. Are you That's doing that one? On demand. Oh, no, the one that <laughs> oh, you're following that. Ah, oh, bro, what yeah. are you doing? What are you doing? You're just, you're a, you're peddling horrible martial arts. That's what you're doing. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's hilarious. Whatever, dude. I'm not going to, I'm not going to shame you. Your, your shame is your own. <laughs> yeah. But it gets, it, I have to say it really burns a lot. <laughs> yeah. Who, who cares, man? Like everybody's not into like being super technical and learning. Like some people just want to go up there and, and do their thing. So it's fine, man. No, no judgment here. You do what you got to yeah. do. <laughs> yeah. All right, man, I so think I'm going to jump off house. here. Oh, okay. my, my, my wife's oh, got right. food and she's knocking on the door back there. How long do we go for? Nice. I don't hour? know. How long are we? I think it's about hour 20. Let me see our WhatsApp. Because our WhatsApp, you indicated what time do I jump in. Uh, yes, it's about one hour and 20. Yeah, nice. Just about the sweet spot. How was this, man? Yeah. Was it fun? Yeah, it's quite fun. <laughs> you were at, we were, I told you we would do this thing ages ago. So... I yeah, prefer, yeah, yeah, yeah. I prefer so to do it to drop by your studio. I know. I prefer to do it face to face, but there's just no way to do it in this time. So I'm like, well, if you've got time, let's do it. Yeah, man. Well, it was good chatting with training, you, bro. Yeah. Hopefully, training kicks back for most of us and soon. I'm pulling for July first. That's it's got to be July first. July solo drill. Anything, 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 <laughs> anything. I think I bet everyone just want to be back at the gym. You ask them to do like one minute of double leg solo drill, then you have a kick pad there and do passing knee on belly switch side solo drill. I think everybody's okay with that. Yeah, they everybody just, just <laughs> yeah, they just want their space, right? They want their training space. Yeah. And, and for us, it's like, get out of the house, dude. Like, I don't know how much longer I can go without seeing another human. Like, it's just- You haven't been outside your house? I mean, you know, you can go to like fair price and stuff like that, but like friends and everything, like I'm just stuck around my wife and her parents all the time. No disrespect to them, but- I'm going to blow my brains out pretty soon. <laughs> like this. Okay. At you know, least I, I get to go to work, but like I told you in WhatsApp, the mask is really killing me at the back of the year. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Man. You to, yeah. You have to wear it all day. Right. Yeah. So I really, and for, for now I, because we, the moment we finish teaching, like the end of school day, we are asked to leave. It's same thing for staff because they, they want us to have a staggered dismissal and make sure that we are not in our workplace for long. So they make sure that we leave as, as, as early as we can. So I really wonder how all these people in the, those health sector, those nurses, they had to wear the mask for the whole day. Yeah. Every day. And like it's oh, really sweaty, you sweat in it, and it's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so uncomfortable. I can feel my saliva on the mask when I teach. Like, oh my goodness, I need a new one. Yeah. I, I, I walked out. <laughs> Uh, Charmaine and I were on the train one time coming back from the gym and I, I sneezed and I forgot that my mask was on. I covered it. Right. Cause my, no, I forgot to take it off. I'm just like, Pugh! and then dude, it was so yeah. close and I didn't have a spare and I had to walk around with like this nasty ass fucking mask for like 
Oh Third, my goodness. The hilarious part was I put my hand in front of like just naturally, right? Instinct kicked in. Yeah. And then I was like, no, and it's dripping down. And I'm like, this has got to end. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I can't do this anymore. <laughs> All right, dude. I'm going to jump okay. off here. Thank you so much for chatting. I appreciate it. Thank appreciate you for today. It. Can't wait to train with you again. We'll come yeah. by Stronghold once we get this thing open back up again. Definitely, definitely. All right, everybody. This is the Stronghold Podcast. Quan, thank you for doing it, man. I'll talk to you soon. Peace out, everybody. All right. See you.